Hi, and welcome to Follow Baptist Church's weekly message podcast. My name's Luke Williams, and I'm the lead pastor, and we're thrilled to have you joining us. We hope the message today inspires you and helps you follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message. All right, our Bible reading this morning comes from Psalm 73, um, so you can follow along on the screen or in your Bibles. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills, and therefore pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you would despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you take me into, your glory, into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy who, all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds." about the word jealous. Yeah, jealous is a feeling, right? Yeah, I think that's right. It is. Jealous is a strong feeling you have when you want something that someone else had. Huh. What? Nothing. I just, I've never really felt that before. What? You don't get jealous, Charlize? No. Well, wait, you've never got a strong feeling because you want something that someone else has. Not that I can remember. Oh. Wow, that's really interesting. Wait hmm. a minute. What? Do you have wings? Yeah. Get out. What? Well, it's true, I'm a fairy. Whoa. What? I've always wanted wings. <laughs> Can you flap them? Oh, yeah, sure. Watch this. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, what's wrong? I don't know. I feel kind of weird right now. Well, what, what, what do you feel? Well, I feel kind of bad because you have wings and I really want wings. You know what you're feeling? Angry? No. Sad? Uh-uh. 
itchy? Uh-uh. Oh, I don't know what I'm feeling. I just know that I have a really strong feeling because I want what you have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You feel jealous. No. Yes. Really? Mm-hmm, definitely. You have a really strong feeling because you want something that someone else has. Mm-hmm. You feel jealous. Wow. What do you know? I guess I do get jealous. Ah, but don't worry, Charlize. I can fix it so you're not jealous anymore. How? Watch this. <gasps> My own wings! Awesome! <laughs> they are so beautiful. Let's flap. <laughs> Wait, what? What did this? Miss Charlie's have wings? Oh, yeah. Uh, Elmo wants wings, too. Elmo is totally jealous. Morning, <laughs> everyone. Jealousy. Well, Sesame does a pretty good job of describing it, uh, but I doubt any of you are like Charlize Theron and have reached adulthood without ever experiencing it. Jealousy is a human trait that we experience from very early in life. That's not fair, is a phrase I hear all too often at school, and I'm sure those of you that are parents would probably hear it fairly regularly too. Oh, thanks, Mary. <laughs> This idea that we're all equal and therefore deserve all the same things in life is deeply ingrained in our psyche. I still remember sitting in the back of the car with my sisters counting out individual potato chips or leaning down to the bench level to make sure that the soft drink levels were exactly the same to ensure no one was getting a better deal. Uh, I was chatting to Mary about this and she recalls her grandmother buying her a present when it was her sister's birthdays, so that she wouldn't sook about it. <laughs> Soft. And we laugh at these things now because they were petty and immature, and we don't care about that sort of nonsense anymore. Uh, now that we're mature adults, we don't get jealous anymore, do we? We're satisfied with what we have. We don't compare ourselves to others like we did when we were children. We look at people that have more money than us, and we think to ourselves, wow, good on them. I'm sure that they've really earned that. <laughs> or we miss out on that promotion at work, and we look to the person that got it, and we think, gee, they must be really deserving. I hope the business really benefits from their contribution in the new role. Does that sound like you? Probably not. You see, the truth is we haven't really grown out of this need to compare ourselves to the people around us. We just aren't quite as transparent now about our jealousy as we were when we were younger. Comparison with others and the envy that goes along with it is one of the biggest issues that faces our society and our relationships and our spiritual growth. And it's an issue that goes right back to biblical times, which brings us to our psalm today, Psalm 73. And in Psalm 73, we hear from this character Asaph. Now, Asaph was one of the leaders uh, of music in, da in David's court, and uh, he wrote 12 of the Psalms that we see in the Old Testament. And in this Psalm, Psalm 73, Asaph has been struggling with an issue. In verse 1, Asaph says, Surely 
God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. So Asaph is here crying out to God and he's saying, God, this is an issue for me. I know that you're good to Israel, but this is causing me to doubt you. Something is making me question your goodness. So what's the issue that Asaph is having? Well, in verse 3 it says, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So the envy in Asaph's life is causing him to stumble. It's damaging his relationship with God. He was envious of the arrogant and the wicked. In particular, he was envious of their prosperity. Have you ever been envious of people more prosperous than yourself? Those of you that have known me for a while know that I drive a pretty old and beat-up Toyota Camry. I've had it a long time. It's done 300,000 Ks. The paint is peeling off. It's got a panel on it that's the wrong colour because I hit a bollard in the car park out there. <laughs> it makes some interesting sounds, particularly in the morning when it's a little bit cold. Some of the electricals don't work and it always seems to need topping up with oil. And sometimes when I'm driving it, I sit at the traffic lights and people pull up next to me driving really nice, really expensive sports cars. And I get jealous. But do you think I sit in my car and have a tantrum and yell, it's not fair? No, I'm far too sophisticated for that. Instead, I think negative thoughts about the drivers. <laughs> if they're younger than me, I say to myself, wow, I bet their dad is probably really rich and he's bought it for them to compensate for being a subpar father. <laughs> or if they're older than me, I think, wow, someone's going through a midlife crisis. They've probably taken out a massive loan for that and now they're swimming in debt. And the image of that makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> My jealousy twists itself into resentment and a secret hope that the people in those nice cars aren't really as well off as they appear to be. Am I a terrible person? <coughs> Some of you might be thinking so. Did someone say yeah? <laughs> Am I really the only one that thinks that way? Somehow I doubt it, because in Psalm 73 here, Asaph is experiencing similar emotions. Asaph wasn't jealous of prosperous people's cars, but as we look through the text, we can see that he does resent their lifestyle. He says, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Now, the text doesn't really say, but... Perhaps Asaph had some health issues. He certainly resents the fact that other people have healthy and strong bodies. But Asaph's real problem isn't that the people were healthy and wealthy. His issue was that they were arrogant and wicked, and God is seemingly letting them get away with it. Let's read on. Pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff. They speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. You see, these people aren't just rich and proud. They're also cruel to those around them. And they seek to crush and oppress others. They don't acknowledge God. They only honour themselves. 
And Asaph isn't happy about it. Part of him is just jealous because of what they have, but he's also angry because he's convinced that they don't deserve it. He wants God to step in and intervene, and he's wondering why he hasn't. In verses 10 and 11 of the psalm, the text tells us that Asaph wasn't the only one questioning God. It says, Their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, How would God know? Does the Most High know anything? And Asaph, frustrated, starts to question what the point of following God is. Verse 12 says, This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. In other words, they can sin all they want and they are living great lives. Verse 13, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands of innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. So Asaph is saying, what's the point in keeping a pure heart? What's the point of keeping myself innocent? I thought that being a Christian meant being blessed by God. But it looks like the only people getting blessings around here are those guys. The arrogant guys, the sinful, cruel, hateful people that really deserve punishment. How many of you are hearing Asaph's words this morning and thinking to yourself, wow, I can really empathise with that? Because I know that I've felt that many times. When we see so much sin in the world, when we read the news day after day and see the wicked prosper, and then we read in our Bibles that God is sovereign, it's got to make you question, but is he really? Is God really in control? And if he is, is God really good? It just doesn't make sense. And this is why Asaph says in verse 2 that he was beginning to lose his footing. It just didn't fit with his worldview of who God was. His frustrations echo sentiments of Job's wife. In the book of Job, we know that uh, he was allowed by God to suffer a great deal at the hands of the devil. Job was, in God's words, blameless and upright. He didn't deserve to suffer, and yet... His home was destroyed. His children died. He was covered head to toe in painful sores. And his wife comes up to him, and for all intents and purposes, she didn't think that it looked like serving God was doing him any good. And she said to him in verse 9, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. In recent weeks, we've seen fire devastate vast areas in our country. We've seen people fleeing, we've seen homes destroyed, and tragically a number of deaths as well. For some of you, seeing suffering and pain like this might make you question God's goodness. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. A similar sentiment to verse 1 of this psalm. And yet we know that fire doesn't discriminate, and neither does disease or accidents or mental illness, or any sort of suffering. Suffering for some, prosperity for others. It doesn't seem to be fair. And it can really shake our faith and make us question our worldview. It certainly did for Asaph. Fortunately for us and for Asaph, the psalm doesn't end there. And as it continues, Asaph explains how his resentful heart was turned around. And the turning point really starts in verse 15. It says, 
If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. Now remember that Asaph is a leader of music and worship, so he has a lot of influence, and he's glad that he didn't express his doubts and frustrations publicly. He recognised that rather than leading other people to doubt God's goodness, he would try to seek answers himself. And in verse 16, it says that he was deeply troubled until what? Until I entered the sanctuary of God. Asaph recognised that he didn't have all the answers. On his own, he was just going to become more frustrated and more twisted and more bitter. He knew that if he was to understand God and why God was the way he was, that Asaph was going to need to draw close to the source. And I don't think that would have been an easy thing for him to do. Why do I think that? Because I've been there. When you have doubts and when your faith is dwindling or when you've sinned or if you're feeling abandoned by God, the last thing you want to do is draw near to him. We feel guilt and we feel shame. We might feel angry. Why would God want to speak to us? Is he even going to listen anyway? We don't want to read our Bibles. We don't want to pray. Well, what we can learn from Asaph is whether we want to or not, that's the time we really need to. Because it wasn't until he entered the sanctuary, in the sanctuary, sorry, the holy place of God, that he understood. What did he understand? Well, it says that he understood their destiny. That is the destiny of the wicked. He understood that while the wicked might prosper in the short term, their ultimate destiny was destruction. Let's look at verses 18 through to 20. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes, when you arise, Lord. You would despise them as fantasies. You see, God helped Asaph to get some perspective of what he was seeing. Because Asaph was seeing things through human eyes and looking at things as part of his short human lifespan. But God's plan is much greater than just what we can see. God's plan is greater than just the here and the now. And what God revealed to Asaph was that he is a God of justice. He revealed to Asaph that while the wicked may prosper in the short term, in the end, they will reap what they sow. As Christians, we need to keep that eternal perspective. We need to trust that God is a God of goodness and justice, whether we can see it now or not. If we focus too much on the here and the now, we will envy the prosperous wicked and we will lose our footing and we will stumble. Next, we need to acknowledge that envy brings out the worst in us. Uh, Two recent studies, one from the Royal Society of Public Health in the UK and another from Tel Aviv University, both found that social media, particularly Facebook and Instagram, were instrumental in degrading mental health levels in young people. They found that social networks led users to compare themselves more often to other people and through doing so contributed to higher levels of anxiety, depression and what they call FOMO, or fear of missing out. In Exodus chapter 20, 
God handed down the Ten Commandments to Moses. And the Ninth Commandment, does anyone know what it is? Thou shalt not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male or female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. God didn't give that commandment just to avoid disputes between neighbors. He did it because coveting, envy, is bad for us. It makes us bitter, unsatisfied, and as I described earlier, it leads us to resent the people around us. In verse 21, Asaph says that his heart was grieved, his spirit embittered. He says, I was senseless and arrogant. I was a brute beast before you. His envy reduced him to his most basic animal instincts. And it does the same to us. But how did God respond? Did God look at this bitter, twisted, ungrateful heart and turn his back? No. Verse 23 starts with yet. In other words, while Asaph was like a brute beast, it says, I am always with you. You hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Throughout all his doubts, all his questioning, all his frustration, God was always with him, holding him by the hand, directing his path. Overcome with this realisation, Asaph cries out to God in verse 25. And this is really the climax of the psalm. It says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Beautiful words. Asaph summarizes the psalm beautifully in the last couple of verses. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge I will tell of all your deeds. Notice the contrast there. Those who are far from you will perish. But as for me, it is good to be near God. And you might be sitting here today thinking, well, you know what, that's all well and good for those who are near God. But I don't think that I am near God. I might think that I might be over here in the far off camp. I don't know God. Does that mean I'm going to die? Well, I've got some good news for you this morning. Because you don't have to stay in the far-off camp. I used to be there. In fact, everyone in this room used to be there at some point in their lives. But God doesn't want you to stay there. So he made a way. And that way had a name. And that name was Jesus. Asaph didn't know all the details at the time, but Jesus, the Son of God, came and died on a cross 2,000 years ago so you wouldn't have to stay in that far-off camp and so that you could draw near to God. And it's only through Jesus that we can call God our refuge, our strength, and our portion. If you want to know more about how that works, please come and talk to me, talk to one of the elders, talk to anyone here. But don't hesitate to follow up after the service. 
because we'd love to share our faith in Jesus with you. To sum things up, the world around you might sometimes see backward and unfair and wicked. You might doubt that God is in control, or worse, doubt that God is good. But if you ever feel like that, do what Asaph did in this psalm. Draw near to him. Speak to God. Ask him to give you perspective. Understand that in the long run, God will have justice and wickedness will not be allowed to prosper forever. Don't compare yourself with others, but rather be satisfied that you already have access to the best thing there is in the whole universe, a relationship with God. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this psalm. We thank you for the words of Asaph. We thank you that you are a good God and a God of justice. And Lord, we ask that you help us because we're in a world that we always are comparing ourselves with each other. And Lord, that can lead us to become unsatisfied. Help us to have perspective, God. Help us to know that you are our strength and our refuge. Be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for our weekly message. If you're in the southeast area of Melbourne, we'd love for you to join us at our Sunday morning service. All the details can be found on our website at follow.church or you can find us on social media at follow Baptist Church.